Welcome. Who's excited to worship this morning? <laughs> I'm actually very excited. Uh, maybe more excited than I've been in some time. Uh, because I can see, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. <laughs> I can see clearly uh, an opening that many, many, many people will be able to run into in this day. I can see, I can see entire groups of people, like nations, running into the presence of God. It's like, it's like when um, you open the door and like all the hot air rushes into the other area, like or like a storm comes and air rushes from one area into another. It's like that. I see people rushing into an area just because the creative presence of God is in the place. I can see it so clearly. And in this time, in this house right now, I believe that there is an opportunity, a grace, that whoever would like to run into that kind of zone, if you've never done it before or you've just dabbled a little once or twice in it, if you run into it now, you'll know what we're talking about. Last week to me was an evidence that God is in the business of having a larger group of people come into that presence where, you know, over the last couple thousand years, sometimes it's just small pockets. Let's stand to our feet. So this morning, the Bible says that God is able to do beyond what we exceedingly abundantly actually above what we can ask or even think well I can ask and I can think a lot I can do both of those things a lot and I like huge things and so this morning I believe that there is a, a an ability for us to ask those things to think those things and that there'll be a physical manifestation of them in in the earth I can see a day when when like People just walk into a certain place and are instantaneously healed. Like, just a moment. I see, like, chains falling off of people as soon as they walk into a place, as soon as they come into that presence. And I'm telling you, <laughs> it's here right now. It's here right now. It's not something that's coming like a storm in the horizon. There is, a, there is an atmosphere right now for the creative power of God to be manifest physically in the earth. And so I encourage all of you this morning to ask beyond what you can even imagine or think. Ask beyond it. Like if you right now think like, God, I believe, I'm going to ask right now that there be no cancer well, I'm saying ask beyond that. I'm going to say, like, God, let there be no cancer on the face of the planet. Let there be no cancer on the face of the earth. Let cancer be stricken from the history books. Let cancer be destroyed from all of our, all of our presence. Like, beyond what you can ask or think. So think of the biggest thing that you could ask for. The biggest thing. And ask for it. I'm telling you, God's creative power is manifesting in the earth, and it's here right now. Let's worship him. This is not 
just an emotional catharsis. Let it be to you according to your faith, Jesus said. Nothing is impossible to him that believes. We are trying to pull on the cords of heaven. He said, if you believe and you say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, it will be done for you. Let me tell you, the kingdom of heaven is coming to the earth because there's going to be a people that believe. And when they say things, rather than it just being, oh, yeah, I, this is my tradition. This is what I believed all my life. This is what we did in the Lutheran church and the Catholic church or wherever. No, it's because we're actually beginning to believe it. What's going to cause Jesus come to the earth is the church is going to come to a place of maturity and faith that he's going to, he cannot rest, he cannot stay where he is any longer. Because what we will have been said by ritual and tradition for all these years, ceremonially, liturgically, we'll suddenly be saying, for real. And that's the increase he's bringing to our faith. That's what worship and spirit and truth is all about. That we're actually pulling heaven down to the earth. The spirit and the bride say, come. There is an increase of faith coming to the earth. The Bible says that it is impossible to please God without faith. And so that leaves us at the place that we must exercise our faith and reach higher with our faith. So right now, I'm going to exercise my faith. I call forth an increase of clarity in the Spirit. There is a clarity where we can see things afar off. So many times we've looked through the veil, yet there's a clarity that is coming to the body of Christ. There is a sharpness that you are going to start to see with. I see things right now that have been out of focus, and it's been muddy, and you can't see it clearly. And I'm saying as you exercise your faith and step this way, it becomes sharp and clear. There is a release coming from the people of God that will bring a glory to the temple that the world has never seen before. The reason that God's temple is full of glory is because people are there releasing it constantly. I am calling for, and I see in the Spirit, worship taking place across the earth all day and all night. I'm seeing right now, there's been children that have been afar off. There's been estranged children. There's been children that have walked away, and I can see them right now walking back. They are coming. They have come, and they are coming. I see right now, right now what's happening is creation is being released in the earth. Oh, God. There's a day coming when we won't need electricity because people will generate electricity themselves, and your lights will stay on in your house because of what's in you. Oh, God, I'm seeing right now 
plants and trees bending towards people's homes because the light of God is so bright. I'm seeing children, little children, like, like three years old children, creating works of art. Whoa. I see right now children prophesying to the earth. Little children. Like the first words aren't mommy and daddy anymore. It's let there be light. I see husbands rising up in authority. I see husbands taking their place and establishing dominion once again. <laughs> I see foolish arguments. Like foolish arguments, ones that are sweeping through the world right now. They're nothing but like dust. And I see people like us, people that know God, coming and just wiping their hand across it to clean it off. Here's a big one. Whoever, whoever, whomever, whomever, would call on the creative power of God in this day. And I'm talking about in the next week, seven days, whoever would call on his power will see a manifestation of his power unlike anything you've ever seen before. So allow yourself to soar. Allow yourself to reach higher. Allow yourself to reach higher. Allow yourself to reach higher. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Release faith. Release your faith. Release your faith. Oh, let life grow. Let plant life grow. Let plant life grow. Release your faith. Ask. Ask anything of the Father. God, I ask. I ask for one billion people, one billion people, one billion people to step in to reaching higher. I ask one for one billion people to release the creation of God. Lord, we want to say yes to you today. We want to say yes to your ways. We want to say yes to your thoughts. We want to invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and change the things that we cannot change. Bring an alignment to our lives, God. Awaken us to the realities that you're bringing to the earth. Now, in this generation, God is setting a new bar. He's setting a new level of expectation. This is one of the ways faith works. It's not unlike, in some respects, optimism. If you grow up thinking you're stupid and that you have no creative abilities or academic abilities, then your expectation will be molded by that limited view of yourself. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so what you aspire to will be dominated by what you believe about yourself. 
And, and uh, the closer you come to that limit that, of what you perceive you can be, the more you begin to settle. The more you begin to say, well, this is really as much as a guy like me can expect. Similarly, as children of God, God is trying to change the bar. He's trying to change the measure of what you think the Son, Jesus, really looks like. Because we are called to be transformed into his image. And that's why in Ephesians chapter 4, it says the, the apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers are given until the church should come to the fullness of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The fivefold ministry is given to, so that you can get a greater revelation of who Jesus is, what the knowledge of Jesus looks like. Why? Because that becomes the standard and measure of your life. That becomes what's possible for you. Huh. And so God is reshaping our faith in these moments about what kind of people we can be, not only in terms of, of being good people and character, but in terms of the power, in terms of the access to the presence of God, in terms of bridging the gap between that spirit realm and this realm. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, and so there's a spirit of faith that God is trying to give this generation to believe for more, to, to aspire to more. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we set our hearts upon Jesus, the greatest example of a dread champion there's ever been. Lord, who walked this earth and who was not under anything, who was not taken advantage of by lascivious desires. He was not burdened by lust or the ambition or the pride of men, and he walked free. He walked free from the encumbrances of witchcraft and from the, pre the pressures of principalities and powers. And we say there is coming a generation who will walk free, who will see the full measure of the nature of the sons of God revealed in the earth. And we want to believe for that. So right now, God, begin to put holes in however we've limited that vision, that picture, that, that image of who we think we can be. God, break it open for us. Break it open for us. Can you say amen? Now, you might be thinking, that's good, thanks, guys. You might be thinking, well, what does that have to do with, uh, you know, come, Lord Jesus? Or what does the Spirit and the Bride say come? Because these two things converge together. When his enemies are made his footstool, then he'll get up. God said to him, sit at my right hand until... Your enemies are made my footstool. Until injustice, until the pride of man, until principalities and powers that their, their raging does nothing at all to the church, Jesus is seated. When you come into the full image, stature of knowledge of who Jesus is, then he comes. Then he comes. Creation responds. 
principalities and powers respond and heaven responds. And that's what we're coming into. Uh, and so, and we can't be satisfied with anything less than that. And that's the big thing right here. Don't let yourself be satisfied with anything less than that. Oh, this is better than my, never mind. It doesn't matter if it's better. It's great. Rejoice for a second and then move on. Anybody sick, have pain in your body, put up your hand really quickly. All right. Quickly come forward and fill the front here. And uh, anybody who wants to pray for them, I want you to come and stand here. Lord, we want to lay hold. Just begin to pray for people as they come. Lord, we want to lay hold today of the healing power of Jesus Christ. We want to say no to chronic pain in Jesus' name. We want to say no to phantom pain right now in Jesus' name. That, that pain that comes in order to suggest that there's a condition beyond what there is, we say no to that right now in the name of Jesus. We say no to cancers. We, we say no to pinched nerves. We say no to uh, hips that are out of line. You know, I was watching Vance just a second ago, right in the middle of us just praying for healing. And I was watching a man clap his hands in thankfulness for what the Lord's doing. And I believe that God is touching bodies right now. And just like Pastor Mark said, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And so we can thank him right now for what he's done and what he's going to continue to do. So let's give him just a clap offering of praise for what he's doing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Faith of a mustard seed. Could you feel the faith? God is wanting us to tap in to that realm of what he can do, not just on a Sunday, but every moment of every day. Well, we're excited. Pastor Mark is with us. He's going to be preaching here in a second. Thanks. So um, we just have uh, Jaden wants to give a, a testimony about healing, and, um, you know, healing is one of those things that I believe we are destined for, but again, it's, it's how much do you believe? And uh, I shared, I think, a few weeks ago about John Wimber when he finally got to the point where he could not ignore the fact that God heals, uh, and biblically, he began praying for the sick, and it was one full year praying for the sick every Sunday night before they saw their first healing. And it was a fairly minor healing, but 
why, why, why a year? It's those, that's designed to sift your heart. That's how much do you want this, right? You know, and if you don't really want something, and you're, you're look, you know, how long you can look for it is sometimes a part of the, part of the uh, evidence, the revealing. So anyway, we want to press into this. And so there may have been somebody else who was touched in their body, but uh, Jaden, why don't you share what happened with you? All right. So uh, I don't know if you saw me sitting there uh, while I was playing today, but uh, I was feeling pretty weird. The thing that was going on was I couldn't really hear what was happening at all, to be totally honest. Like, it's as if I was underwater, like, the entire service. And, like, my ears were plugged, and I'm, like, I turned up the volume all the way, and I'm, like, I can't even hear Ken's voice. And I'm trying to follow him and everything, and I'm, I'm like, going on certain instruments, and nothing, nothing was really coming through. I'm just, like, wow, this sucks. So, and I'm, like, all right, well, I, I never sit. I don't sit when I'm worshiping. So I'm, like... I'm done. I got nothing left. I don't know what to do anymore. And so it was quite, quite awesome that the whole healing thing came up because I'm like, even though it didn't feel specific to what I felt as healing, like it was more like, I was thinking it was like a body healing, but I'm like, okay, I'm just, I got to have to go down. Let's, let's just try this. So I went down and then Steve started uh, praying for me with uh, his son and uh, maybe some other people. I'm not exactly sure. But, like, he's just praying over my ears and total hearing. And then, like, after, just it just kind of clicked. It was just all of a sudden, I was like, oh. And I could finally hear what was happening. I could actually hear mostly what he was saying, too. Because at the start, he, he was kind of talking. And I'm just like, okay, what? <laughs> so th that was nice. And, yeah, so it was great. And then I went back up, and I felt much better. So praise God. And he was, he was playing afterwards, and he was playing in key, so it was great. <laughs> but let me first say this. My passion is to see a different kind of Christian, a better, a better version. You know, some people like cars, and they're always looking to, you know, tweak their car to make their car better. Some people are creating cars. They want, you know, create better engines and more, you know. Some people are working with energy, looking for more efficient, you know, in uh, technologies for the reason, you know, whatever it is you're working towards, if you're actually committed to some area of knowledge, you're looking to, to bring that to a higher level. And my passion is I want to see victorious Christians. I want to see Christians who are competent in the things of the Spirit. You know, and so that's the tone of everything we do here. It's, it's, we're not celebrating what we've already done. We're actually always pressing on, and I'm always pushing to say, okay, God, I want, I want to focus in on what kind of Christian was Jesus? What, what kind of Christian was he? That's the kind I want to be. And so I'm always looking at him for uh, what I should be. And you should be doing the same because that's where we're going. So anyway... I'm asking this question, um, or actually it's a statement really, discovering who I truly am. Now, there is a law in the kingdom of God that is based on John 8.32. And John 8.32, and I'll read the context later, but just, just I'll let you in on where I'm going. 
If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. That in itself, we could talk about that. What is a disciple? Somebody goes to church, somebody lifts their hands. No, if you continue in his word, his word, all right? Um, so that's great. It's a very important thing. But this is what he says. If, basically, if you continue in his word and you're a disciple, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. This is a, a kingdom statute. You can't get around this. This is one of those eternal pillars that is a guide for you. You know, it's kind of like the lighthouse on the shore. If you come too close to this, you're going to crash. Well, I don't believe that's true. <laughs> well, try it. You will crash because you can't, there's no avoiding it. This represents this. There's no, there's no way around. You can't pretend that's not the reality. So this thing here tells us a lot. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Now, if you have non-freedom in your life, any, any semblance of non-freedom, right? Okay, what, what is non-freedom? Uh, I'm bound to a particular passion, a sin. I, I fear, right? I am anxious. I'm fretful. I, I therefore control or whatever, all these things. If I know the truth, I will be free. So if I'm in bondage in any way, what does that mean? You're not free, therefore you're n you, there's truth that escapes you. There's truth you do not know. The truth will set you free. So let me set this up by sharing uh, a testimony because I want you to see the application. A little while ago, I, well, over the last two years really, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me on a whole new level. And I've been asking the Lord for some aspect of his destiny. I've had prophetic words. I've had things over my life. And I finally realized, you know, I'm coming close to this thing. I want this. I'm asking for this, Lord. And I, I really want this really bad. And you know what the Lord said to me? No, you don't. You don't really want that. And I said, no, no, I do. You know how you, you know, aimlessly argue with God? You, you just, it's just, you know that's true. You don't want it, but you don't know why. I don't, I don't know, you know, what is the evidence that I don't really want this. But he began to show me my heart. He began to say, listen, what you want are all, the, all of the fruit of importance and the authority that comes with functioning at this level, but you don't really want this level because this level actually requires something from you you are not prepared to give. This level requires something your heart is not able to walk in. And I, and again, it took God bringing me literally alongside some of these things and I realized, yeah, no, I don't want that. I don't want the responsibility of that. I don't want the sacrifice of my time. I don't want the obligation to, to people around the world to uh, that goes with that. I, re I really don't want. But I, and then I felt bad because I thought, you know, here's my destiny hanging in front of me and I don't want it. Well, I want it, but I don't. You hear what I'm saying? And so I simply began to, to say to God, as I've taught you to say, I'm not going to lie, I'm just going to say, God, change my heart. Change my heart. 
There's no sense feeling guilty. Oh, I'm such a terrible Christian. That's what, you know, we could talk a lot about that. That's what, that's what Esau did when he realized he didn't care about his destiny. You remember Esau, he traded his birthright for a bowl of stew. Why? Because he did not value the birthright. It was only worth to him a bowl of stew. And so afterwards, when he realized that he really, you know, had given this thing up and there was some level of disappointment, this favor was coming to his brother that wasn't going to come to him, then he started wanting to turn it around with, with a, said he, he responded with strong crying and tears. He sought for a place of repentance. He sought for the means to turn his heart around. But guilt gets you nowhere. Guilt can change nothing. It may feel, you may feel good. Oh, yeah, look at me. I am disappointed in myself. God must really relish that. He must really love that I'm disappointed. He's disappointed in me. I'm disappointed in me. Therefore, we agree. We're both disappointed in me. That's not how... See, what pleases God is faith. Faith pleases God. Guilt is not faith. Guilt is an emotional response to discovering or getting a glimpse of yourself in the mirror. Hear what I'm saying? That is not faith. So, so God is trying to build something in us that causes real change, and guilt is not it. So what I began to say to you some weeks ago and months ago many times was just honestly tell God the truth. I don't want that. I don't love you the way I should. Oh, no, but I do. Okay, there you are. That's, that, that's where you're stuck. And I'm, this is what I want to talk about today. Many of us are stuck because we're unwilling to acknowledge the truth about our present condition. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you avoid the truth, the truth cannot set you free. If you ignore the truth, the truth will not set you free. Now, it goes right back to the principle that we see in James. When James is talking about the believers, it's the whole chapter is corrective in, in many respects. But he says, listen, uh, he says, here's a, here's a man. He starts talking about a man. I can't go into all the details, but a man who doesn't get his destiny, doesn't get what God wants from, is a man who looks in the mirror and immediately goes away and forgets what manner of man he is. So he's not able to live in the light of what he sees in the mirror. And that's what God is trying to do. He's trying to get you to a place where you're willing to look in the mirror and say, God, that's really who I am, but it's not who I want to be. We instead live in a culture, in a world that says, I can just recreate myself. I can just modify myself to have the appearance of wanting that, and I'm going to fool everybody. Well, you can fool everybody except God. And so there are certain kingdom tenets here, and this is why I want us to keep coming back to these. The truth will set you free. Now, uh, here's another one. In the Beatitudes, I was just looking at this here. Let me, let me pull it up in the, in the passage. Blessed, it's Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Verse 8 says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, both of these are great, and they're very similar to that other one, which I mentioned earlier. If you seek for me with all your heart, 
you will find me. How many of you, and don't show your hands, how many of you have felt like you've really sought God, but God hasn't come through for you? I know that there's a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people fall away from Christ because, well, I sought God, I asked God for this, and I said this to God, and I, and He didn't do anything back. Therefore, He's not real. Because He didn't say what I thought He should say or do what I thought He should do in this situation in my life, therefore, He's not real. I mean, I can't even begin to deal with the nonsense that's in that mindset that God should lower himself to prove himself to you. He set conditions out, protocols. He is the king. It's like us saying, you know, I want to go see the queen. I'm not sure if she's real. I'm going to walk up to Buckingham Palace, and if I don't see her, if I don't get to sit down and have tea with her, she's not real. How many of you know you're going to run into some barriers? Right? Just because you say you want it doesn't mean that structure that's infinitely greater than you should yield to your desire. No, you must yield to the protocols of it because it's greater. Or you don't get to experience it. Well, the kingdom of God, how much more does God deserve to set the order? If you do this, then you're going to find me. No, no, I did that and it didn't work. Really? That's the line you want to take? You're going to live your life screaming at heaven? I did everything right, but the outcomes were wrong. Sometimes we, you know, we do that. We have voice lessons, and I'm doing everything right, but I, you know, all the wrong sounds are coming out. The teacher says, "Yeah, well, it's because you're not doing it right." Ski instructor said, "You know, you need to do this. This is the technique." And he said, "I did it exactly like you said, and I still fell down." It, it doesn't make sense, does it? You didn't do it right. If you did it right, you wouldn't have fallen down. Logic. And so God is saying, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. So, and I spoke about this two weeks ago. So what God is trying to do is show us our hearts. He's trying to reveal the heart. He, he's wanting to show you that, like me, all right, I'm lumping myself in this you don't want what you say you want. If you wanted it, you would get it. That's the truth. That's the uncomfortable truth that we need to kind of absorb. And if we absorb that truth, then the change we're looking for will begin to happen. Oh, well, you don't understand. I'm a great Christian. I'm a better Christian than everybody else. How come they're getting all this stuff and I'm getting none of it? Because you're a liar. Let every man be, uh, let God be true and every man a liar, it says in Hebrews. So, so there are all of these evidences all around us telling us the truth, always. All right, um, what's that scripture in the Proverbs? It says, wisdom, that the voice of wisdom cries in the streets and nobody hears it, basically. So, he said, this is the truth, that knowledge is available to us that can change us and get us out of our predicament. It's right there, right in front of us. But we can't see it. That's why men are going to be judged. That's why in Romans 2 it says, it says, what can be known of God is evident just in creation. Therefore, they are without fault. 
So the truth is speaking to us all the time. I've given you a number of scriptures, and those are great, but I, this morning as I was thinking, and I've thought about this a number of times, because I'm always looking, God, what are the evidences? I want to, what is the truth? What is the witness of the truth that's going on in my life that I might be ignoring? And over the last two years, and you think, what, did it take you two years to learn this? Actually, to be honest, it probably take me 20, you know, but God has been speaking little bit by little bit, and I'm starting to get it. But I started to realize as some key shifts happened in my life, as I suddenly came into a place uh, in my life where I could interact with men of God with more significant anointing without feeling awkward, I began to realize, huh, I remember when I used to come into these situations and always feel awkward. I'd come into these situations and I'd feel tongue-tied. I'd come into these, these anointed men of God, and I want to say, hey, I'm just like you. But I got in, and I felt awkward, and I felt small, and I, and I, I thought, man, what's a, what are they doing that's shutting me down like that? I literally, I used to think that. What's, what's going on? There must be something demonic in their life because I'm a great man of God, and I come around them, and I'm tongue-tied and intimidated. What is wrong with them? <laughs> Come on. You, some of you have thought that. What, what is wrong with that guy? That I, every time I get around him, I tighten up and I can't be myself. Out of your league. Mark, out of your league. And so when God made some significant changes in my heart, and suddenly I found I could be myself and find my stride around other people and be relaxed and... and Funny and clever and, who you know, who I am with my friends. This is the real me. You should see. You should see me in my element. Yeah, you're not in your element. That's why you're functioning this way. No, I am. I belong here. Really? So, so God began to whisper to me that, that there are things that needed to shift, and it came down to what I believed about myself. And... I, I don't know how many times I've done this, and I know I've talked to others here, and I, when I look around the room and talk about this, I get these, you know, kind of funny smiles because everybody, yep, I got that. I've done that a few times. But we, we assume because we've adapted to certain superficial cultural aspects of something we're after that we're therefore the same as those who carry it all over the world globally. And maybe you think, ah, oh, I don't have that kind of presumption. Well, I'm going to deal with you in a minute. Here's the thing. God wants you to have an honest, sober view of yourself. And as long as if, if you start accepting, getting the truth of that, the deliverance and the freedom and the, the connecting that you've longed for will start to come and will speed up. So... I was thinking about it the other day, and I, I, I've had a, tr a, a bit of a hard time over the last few years with some people. Now, these aren't bad people. These are good people. But I've had trouble in the sense that I'm always looking, how can I help this person? Now, you may not think that's how I think all the time, but I do. I may not help you, you know, with your garden. There's other people you can call for that. But my heart is, I want to help you with your life with your Christianity, I'm always looking for what are the things 
that can set that person free? What are the things that can set that person free? I, I see that person struggling in this area of life. I don't fully understand it, God. What, what is that, and how can I help them get past that? That's my constant orientation. I do that all the time. So I had these people in my life over the course of my whole Christianity who seemed to want all of the great things of God. They talk the right language. They, they say, you know, they're talking about revival. They're talking about the kingdom of God. They're talking about the high things. They, 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 they adapt to all the freshest sort of revelation about worship and about intercession. I mean, they are adapting, you know, in terms of their form and their style. They're demonstrating in every way that they want those higher things of the kingdom of God, but they keep not getting them. And I, I keep thinking, what is going on here? How can these people be around such great things all the time and those great things not affect them really profoundly in their heart? How come they're not shifting into that next gear? And the Lord began to show me, because you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So I began to believe and realize that, that the cornerstone is about how you perceive yourself. Now, this is what the Lord began to speak to me over the last couple of months, and I was thinking about it this morning, so I wanted to share it. It's about what I call the laws of attraction. The laws of attraction. Have you ever heard of the laws of attraction? I've heard it. I don't know what they are, so I made up my own. <laughs> well, basically, uh, the two main principles that I, uh, I've heard is things like great minds think alike. All right. People tend to converge around places of agreement. You know, two people like skateboarding. Hey, you like skate? I like skateboarding. We should be friends, right? You know, you politically you have the same thoughts about uh, uh, you know Osama bin Laden or Obama bin Laden. You know, you have the wow. You know, I'm I'm. We have the same thoughts. There's a, a level of agreement. So you find fellowship around your agreement, right? Isn't that true? Politically. You start talking about issues, uh, about music, or whatever it is, there's a communal sense as soon as you start, oh, this guy likes construction like I like construction. This guy milks cows like I do. It's a team. So we tend to find that, uh, that we are attracted to people who share on some level in the same things. Is that true? Now, the other thing is, Opposites attract. Isn't that kind of opposite to what you just said? Yes, therein is the problem. <laughs> so, so we are actually, we are, we, are, we are drawn towards people that are of the same mind as us, who favor the same things. But we are also, there's something in us that causes to be drawn to polar opposite uh, features in other people's personalities or character or, or whatever it is. And so these, these are the two dynamics that you have within the laws of attraction and how they work exactly, how they balance each other out, I don't know exactly. But I, can, I, I think we're generally in agreement, yeah, that's the way it works. How, you know, the, because they're so opposite, how the one weighs against the other and trumps the other in certain circumstances, I, I don't know. But, you know, certainly in terms of marriage, I married a woman who is my opposite, which is great because uh, one of me in a marriage is enough. 
So, so let, me, let me talk about this. What is this thing about opposites attract? Because that is the, that is the more interesting one in terms that it doesn't seem to fit. We understand we've seen enough evidences of it, but why is that the case? And the reason why opposites attract is because there's a principle in the earth that came in with sin that, uh, that I'm going to talk about for a second. It's in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 and 9. And then it's talked about again in chapter 2, verse 15 and 17. So for brevity's sake, so I'm being brief today, I'm going to read these. It says, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So that is the theme of that book, There Were Two Trees, which if you haven't read, I would really encourage you to read. But Genesis 2, 15 and 17 goes on. God is talking again. He says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, I could, I could say so much about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Jesus said this about trees. He said, you'll know them by their fruit. All right? So whatever the product is from this tree tells me about the essential nature of that tree. And that's what he was talking about wolves. He said, you know, wolves in sheep's clothing. You'll know them by their fruit. You know, eventually, despite the fact that they're trying to, you know, have sheep's clothing, eventually their real nature uh, will spill out. Hatred, destructive, blah, 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 whatever. You know, those kinds of things. So, so by the same token, if we apply that to this tree, God says to them, if you eat of this tree, what's going to happen? You will die. You will die. So, which is coincidentally consistent with the fact that the other tree is the tree of life. Yeah, how about that? The tree of life is in the garden then and the tree of death. But this tree is not just the tree of death. It has two sides to it. It has the knowledge of good on the one side and the knowledge of evil on the other side. Now, this is the, this is the essential dilemma that we deal with is that there are there are manifestations of evil in the earth that, are, that come like a coin. They have two sides. The one appears one way, and the other appears exactly the opposite. We've been putting up any of my, my little... Oh, they've been up? Okay. So, great. <laughs> I didn't see them. We should get a TV over there that is a, a mirror of what's going on up back there so I don't have to turn around and check. It's a good idea. Somebody write that down. So, um, here's what happens. That the reason why opposites attract is because they're the same. The reason why opposites attract 
is that they are a mirror image of the other thing. Father, I pray right now that the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of you would come into this room in Jesus' name. Have you ever heard of the saying codependent relationships? What are codependent relationships? That's where you, for example, you have somebody who is controlling and somebody who needs to be controlled. What are they? They're opposites, but they're the same. They are the yin and yang of each other. They are the mirror of each other, except completely opposite. So the illustration I love to use is the, the idea of a photo back years ago when we had photos, you know, that you developed from a camera. You pulled out the negative strip inside. You developed the negative, and then you used light onto, you know, and you shone it onto these things, and, and it, it, it created the positive. Now, what is the difference between them? Nothing. They're exactly the inverse of one another. They're exact duplicates of each other, just the yin and yang, the good and the evil, so to speak. There is this principle within creation of attraction where we tend to be attracted towards the polar opposite, but it ends up being a love-hate relationship. That's why when you get married and you're, there's something about this person that you love, it's actually the very opposite of you. And then as you get into it more, you love it, but you hate it. Well, why would God allow that? Well, that dynamic is to show is in order to give us truth. It is a, it is a wake up call. It, it is it, it is the means that He causes uh, in our lives to show us ourselves. So one of the ways it happens is this: is the people that you have the hardest time with are the ones you're most like. You say, well, no, no, no. I'm really hardworking. I hate lazy people. Yes. So what you have is an idolatrous pride about what you do well and an equal hatred for the very opposite of that. Why? Because you only do this because you don't want to be this. You hear what I'm saying? That they, they actually, the, both the behavior and the anti-behavior come out of the same root. They come out of the same thing. And so God brings people into your life that create friction in order for you to see who you are. Now, I could spend a lot of time talking about that, and they could get very uncomfortable. But because I have mercy on Paul, we're going we're gonna to move on from that. But this is the heart of this, this message here, and I'm going to wrap it up right away. After God began to speak to me, no, you don't want that, I started to wonder, well, what, what do I want? What is the measure of what I really want, God? How do I know, okay, if, because I want to be clear about this. I want to know where am I? In terms of the global picture, you know, I, I want to be this person that I feel I have a destiny to walk with nations, and now you're telling me I don't even want that. I say, so what is the realistic view of where I'm at? He said to me, who do you connect with? Who are you comfortable with? Who are your peers relationally? And I started to think about that not only towards myself, but I started to think about that in terms of others. I, I realized that 
while, while I wanted to operate in a certain sphere, I was unable to enter into the, the relationships and be myself with those people in the realm of the kingdom that I wanted to be in. Every time I get around them, so they were not really my peers. They were not, we were not equal. We were not the same because I felt intimidated, tongue-tied, and the rest of that. I couldn't break into that circle of influence, that circle of those elitists. <laughs> you know, I thought it was them, right, keeping me out. But it wasn't. It was just, you know, water finds its own level. And so I, he began to speak to me about my circle and my peers. If you want to know what level you're really working at and operating in relative to the kingdom of God globally, who do you connect with? Who do you seamlessly engage with? So I want to put that to you in this respect because it doesn't have to be unfolded in that global picture. My question to you, oh, I really want God. I, I, really, I, really, I really love God. I'll give everything for what God wants in my life. Okay? If that's true, your peers will be those kinds of people. Who do you hang with? Who do you, who do you feel all right with? Who do you relax with? Who, who, do you, who can you be yourself with? Spiritual people? Globally elite spiritual people? Pastors? City leaders? None of the above? Like, what are the passions of your friends? Your, you know, the ones that you go with. Let me, let me put it this way. Years ago, I used to hear this all the time, where you'd have these kids, and these kids would sort of gather together, and they get into trouble. And finally, when that trouble gets, you know, becomes something, and they get arrested or whatever it is, they do something awful, all of the mothers say, yeah, I'm, it's not my son's fault. My son got in with a bad bunch, and he is, yeah, I know that's his peer group, but he's very different from all the others. He is not like that. I'll tell you something. He's exactly like that. He got into that group because that's him. Those are his peers because whatever depiction of himself, whatever he's tr had to be at home in order to secure, you know, your favor, that's who he really is, who he connects with, who he's attracted to. Why is this important? Because it's part of the truth. It's part of the truth that God is trying to say to you. Listen, if you want to know the truth, the truth.